0: You're listening to the Big Show with Maddie Rose.
1: Our Vala Victorian works for NASA. Next can't wait show. to learn. Wow, this is such good. And Patrick Dumas,
0: the Oscar Hernandez, hey, the Oscar Hernandez, I'm like,
2: going drive. Uh, Willie
0: Stargell and Roberto Clemente yeah. were just amazing on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
1: Welcome back, hour number two of the Big Show. George will be back tomorrow. Patty's in today. GVP and Shannon in the other room. We are live in the AC Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? We install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. Lots to get to in this hour. Eric Francis will join us at the bottom of the hour. Going to ask him about Matt Coronado or Recall. Game against Vegas. Dusty Nickel. Just such a fun name to say. If, if you have no idea what happened in the Flames game yesterday and everyone's talking about Dusty Nickel today, like, is that a person, a thing? What is that? <laughs> is this some sort of euphemism that I'm unaware of? Could have been. Maybe. How about that Dusty Nickel last night? Am I right, boys? Let's go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to talk to our next guest, Nick Kiprios from Real Kipper and Born, former NHLer. Hello, Nick. How are you doing this morning?
2: Good morning, Matt. Patrick. All good. Good game last night. Uh, by by far the best game I've seen all year. Really? Yes. That's bold. Yeah. I love that. I'm I'm calling it right now. Calgary Vegas was fantastic hockey. Uh, two teams, highly competitive. Great goaltending. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and, well- and and the the you know on, on your side the the right team won. Yes,
1: exactly. That's the one thing. We get to play the victory song here today and be all happy and joyful and and really be kind of excited about how the Flames are playing lately. Like, they beat the Dallas Stars, they lose to the Avalanche, but they hung in that game, and then they get this win over Vegas. Do you like what you're seeing from the club as a whole right now? I do.
2: Yeah, I do. And uh, I I think it's the team that a lot of Flame fans envisioned right from the get-go, much like Edmonton, you're left with your head scratching probably for 10, 15 games into the season. But this is this is why you probably, outside of trying to figure out the, the math behind the American Thanksgiving, you do want to give yourself a legit 20 games to, to see what you have here. And just think about what you thought of the Calgary Flames two weeks ago compared to what you you feel today. It's night and day. And that's why you can't can't jump too fast in making harsh decisions too early. I, I think uh, I think Calgary now has put themselves in a position where they should feel like they can challenge for uh, for a playoff spot and, and and challenge to go deeper if uh, if things kind of align uh, down the road.
1: Yeah and and now they find themselves in a wild card spot waking up this morning with the West kind of getting off to a little bit of a slow start minus the teams at the very top of the of the uh conference one of the things that I think we've noticed here is that the lines have all kind of started to fall into place. There's a lot less shuffling game to game. Some adjustments in the third period from Ryan Huska have been pretty consistent, but overall the lines have been consistent for the last few games. How important is that for a team? You mentioned the 20-game mark. This is around the time where things starting to fall into place, but how important is it to just know
2: who you're going to be with every night? Well, I, I think there's just a rhythm in that, and you know hockey players are... Creatures of habit, whether it's finding a, a nice way to get to the rink or coming to the rink and, and knowing that certain guys are going to be a, uh, right beside you on the ice. And, and for me, again, last night watching uh, Kadri, uh, mm-hmm. once he falls into place, it just seems like w- when you establish your, your center ice position, uh, between Backlund now and Kadri, and, and Kadri's now in that position where he looks like the player that you you signed. And, you know, I, I don't know if he'll ever hit 100 points ever again, but, you know, he should be a, a an easy point-of-game guy. He should be a threat every time he comes through the neutral zone. Uh, that was certainly the case on, on the Greer goal. So once he starts handling the puck and taking command, I think, uh, when he's out there, uh it seems like everything else can fall in place but uh, to me Kadri again last night was a key key guy uh alongside of course uh, uh great goaltending
0: uh Nick it feels like the one thing that might be holding back this Flames group from really really taking off is uh the ineptitude of the power play uh one for 31 over and they're in a one for 31 stretch uh, right now over three last night are, are you seeing anything uh, different from this obviously Mark Savard was brought in to add more offense to this group and and change up the power play but it's still a very very lazy looking power play that really has not looked the same since Johnny Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk left this team
2: yeah I, I, I don't know is it's is simple to to say that you know, there's just not a pure shooter mm-hmm. uh, there. I think Huberto had a couple of good quality chances. One, I remember going far, far post that uh, that uh, Hill made a, a great uh, yeah. leg save on. But, you know, Toffoli would be nice, let's be <laughs> honest here. Um, but that's not the case. I, I think you mentioned Coronado coming back up. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think once upon a time in training camp, you envisioned him having yeah. uh, more success as a pure shooter. But you know, is, is there is there a move somewhere down the road? Uh, the, the good thing about where Calgary is right now is that uh, there doesn't seem to be a sense of urgency to move out defense or 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 get rid of bodies now. Now, now it feels like. Craig Conroy could be in a position where he can just see where this thing goes and figure out the UFA situation further down the road. Maybe I'll get to maybe get to the trade deadline uh, before you figure out uh, who stays, who goes and what gets added. And, and maybe just maybe if he's comfortable enough and, likes what he sees he could maybe add that pure shooter that uh that he lost into foley
0: uh let's head out east uh this morning uh Elliot friedman broke breaking the news that uh patrick kane has signed with the detroit red wings still don't know a term uh on that i know he was maybe looking for maybe a, another year uh added on to this but uh what He's reunited with Alex to it uh, you know, maybe we we thought he was going to Buffalo, but ends up going to Detroit and uh the Red Wings after uh, a really good start. they played a little bit, you know, went to a little lull, but they're coming out of that right now. This is this is a big move for them,
2: yeah, I think uh it it certainly uh puts them in a position if in fact he can he can get to the place where You know, a lot of people think that he can get to after a major surgery. Mm -hmm. I I think the one-year deal kind of tells you exactly how maybe that uh, others feel that uh, it's it's a a coin toss, Uh, you know, major hip surgery. Didn't put him in a position to get a multi-year deal. Uh, Still don't know what the money is, but maybe it's Detroit probably – bucking up a little bit more than other teams like Colorado or Florida, Boston, Tampa Bay. They all had interest, but just couldn't maybe get to the money that maybe Detroit will We'll wait for that word, but shouldn't have any problem playing with Larkin and, and Raymond. Uh, and, and hopefully those guys can kind of fit his style. And just, it'll be interesting to see uh, what level he can hit. Uh, I didn't like him in New York mm. last year for no other reason that he still had those issues that weren't addressed. So it sounds like uh, everything that I hear that uh, he's he's good, he's healthy, but proof will be in the pudding when we see him out on the ice uh, with the Detroit Red Wings. But I, I'm cheering for him, I can tell you that. Oh, yeah, me yeah, too. Our, our league's way better with this guy. Mm-hmm um at his uh at his game uh, at, at his at the height of his game so I, i'm really looking forward to this uh, uh very intriguing signing did
1: you see any of the brad true effect around toronto in the sense that oh the leafs might be interested and you know being from calgary we learned that eh, the flames were interested in everybody and it was mostly just because tre living checks in on everything
2: <laughs> yeah i think we got that sense of that yeah like, as, as far as the Leafs are concerned, we know where, where they need help right away. And uh, uh, a lot of people here uh, were in agreement that, you know, even if Kane's able to hit uh, high levels here, uh, that that's not their priority. Their priority is the blue line. Uh, you know, people would rather see Tana or dorov here than they would see Pat Kane, uh, even if he was healthy. Uh, Scenario is that the Leafs have trouble keeping the puck out of the net. Uh, Patrick uh, can help put the puck in the net, but uh, uh, as far as priorities concerned, uh, the focus has to be on the blue line for Bradtree Living.
1: Uh, I was surprised to see someone pointed out on social media, the Sharks and the Leafs, both with only five regulation wins this season. Is that any sort of concern that they haven't been able to win games in regulation? They've had to do a lot of it in extra time?
2: Yeah, big time. Because last time I checked, three-on-three three hockey didn't exist in the playoffs. Very rare. So, very, very rare. rare. <laughs> yes. Very rare. With the, with the way they stop calling penalties, <laughs> we could say never. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it is a concern. Uh, no question. The, the lack of consistency uh, for a team that's supposed to be up there with uh, the likes of the big boys. Uh, it's... Uh, It's something that uh, has been noticed around here, that uh, they can't put a a consistent 60-minute hockey game uh, together. And sometimes it's the offense that dries up. Sometimes it's uh, bad giveaways. And then, uh, you know, the the goaltending of Samsonov and and Wall. And uh, there's not too many people that don't think that Wall can, can work his way into being a number one goaltender one day. Uh, but for a team that's supposed to contend for the Stanley Cup now, uh, it's a big ask for him to come in and and, and take it away from Samsonov. Mm-hmm. So uh, inconsistency is the, the biggest issue for Brad Tree living right now. And again, much like probably Calgary a week ago, two weeks ago, uh Brad's gonna to have to kind of wait it out and see uh, to get a better assessment. I think of what he truly has or doesn't have moving forward. But he's gonna need a little bit more than twenty games, I think.
1: If he likes what he sees, the 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 connections between Calgary and Toronto are almost too obvious. Do you, do you see that po- them possibly being trade partners if the Leafs do decide? Hey, let's give up some assets and add some defensemen here.
2: Uh, y- yes, uh, you do. Uh, and I would think that, uh, today Craig Conroy would wake up, uh, a lot more comfortable than say Brad tree living. Uh, who makes that call first? <laughs> who's, who's, who's trading on strength and who's trading on weakness right now? Because yeah. I would think that Calgary has the upper hand, uh, at least this morning, but you know, what does that mean is, is, uh, Calgary and Craig Conroy in a position to take a, a, a flyer on Nick Robertson? Uh, would they like uh, a prospect in Fraser Minton, uh, who showed well in training camp, but probably was propped up a little bit higher than, than most teams would have uh, uh, with other prospects? Uh, remains to be seen uh, what it would take uh, to, to, to pull a defenseman. Uh, like a of or a uh, Could it be as simply as a uh, third-round pick uh, enough for Craig Conroy? At this point, I'd say absolutely not, uh, not the way Calgary's going right now. So like I said, at least Craig Conroy's feeling better about taking calls than he did two weeks ago.
0: Uh, last night, Mon- uh, Rogers Monday Night Hockey, the Canucks uh, had a little uh, get together. Uh, what if I told you that last year's uh, most penalty-filled game was between the Panthers and Senators at 166 penalty minutes? Last night they had 167. Uh, thoughts, experiences with uh, with something like that last <laughs> night. You, Wait, Nick. I, I, I. <laughs>
2: Go go Google Flyers versus Capitals in like nineteen ninety one and I don't know, double or triple that. That was like a, a walk that in was the a walk park.
0: in the park. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Maurice said that out at post game. He's like, Yeah, there's nothing yes. like the we Didn't had two squirrely. <laughs>
2: oh yeah. Just like one squirrel. Yeah. I'm not sure there were two squirrels. <laughs> I know Geraldine Kachuk was not that. a fan last night. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh I I think it's just a a great reminder of the Florida Panthers. No fluke
3: Mm -hmm. last
2: year when they decided to play and play hard and play for each other. And then uh, the Sam Bennett's took their game to another level. Kachuk, of course, dragging everybody into it. Uh, I'm really impressed with Paul Maurice and, and the job that he's done since, what, Going on that that uh, tear uh, in in March, mm-hmm. and I think it's a, another reminder. Uh, besides, you know the the squirreliness of last night's game was a, a shellacking, yep. a five nothing shellacking. And here they are, twenty four hours later, they're coming into Toronto, and Toronto's wants to play this what skill game, <laughs> uh, and and Florida's going to come in and, and challenge them. They if if you're if you're the Leafs right now, you're hoping that uh, uh, they're they're tired. <laughs> yeah. And, and they don't have the, the jam to do it all over again. <laughs> I don't want to do this tonight. <laughs> but I, w- I wouldn't count on it with with a team that has Matthew Kachuk. No. He's, he's going to like the spotlight of uh, big of, light, Bright of lights of Toronto. Toronto? Oh, yeah, he's going to go Bright off. lights of Toronto, and 24 hours later, I, <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion they're going to bring it right back uh, in, into the Leafs, so. Yeah. big challenge for uh, mm-hmm. Brad Tree Living's team.
1: There's a couple worrisome things if you're the Senators there uh, didn't start on time DJ Smith says yeah we didn't start on time that's on me the Panthers were just harassing Corpasolo throughout that entire game and there really wasn't a whole lot of pushback until Kachuk essentially ran over Bobrovsky and started that fracas in the third yeah. period. What are you seeing from the Senators here? How worried should this fan base be? This is a year they were supposed to take a big step forward and challenge for the postseason.
2: Yeah, and last year, uh, according to Pierre Dorian, and the year before, <laughs> according to Pierre Dorian. I see a team that's just not ready. I see a team with a ton of raw talent, um, but as far as uh, the maturity level of, of of showing up on time uh, yesterday just was not there. And, you know, outside of Claude Giroux, uh, not a heck of a lot of experience in that lineup Uh Tarasenko's there, but we've never seen him as a guy that can grab three or four of the young guys and say, hey, listen to me, trust me, follow me. Not that type of veteran. Uh, outside of that, uh, Claude Giroux. And I really like the job Claude Giroux's done since going to Ottawa. And I think he's he's been terrific for the most part, but never really led anything in Philly either. So as far as having that pedigree of of guys that have been there or or done it to grab a few of these young guys and say, "Hey listen, you think you think you're getting the job done, you're not getting the job done I still don't see it in that Ottawa lineup and uh, uh, again, great raw talent, but not ready for prime time just yet from from what I saw last night.
1: They're going to be a fun team to keep an eye on. Jake Sanderson fighting Matthew Kachuk yesterday. I didn't know that was part of Sanderson's games. He had a really good start to the year. They're going to be fun to watch for the next little bit, but might not yeah. be their time just yet. Uh, always enjoy the chats, Nick. Uh, enjoy your day. Have a great show today. We'll be listening, and uh,
2: enjoy the hockey. Hey, Matt, Patrick, really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, there you go.
1: Nick Kiprios, Real Kipper and Born, uh across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Three o'clock today. Yes, sir. Um, how about those Leafs? Yeah, went uh,
0: five regulation wins.
1: That's kind of wild, eh? Yeah, also, I mean, I mean shout they just dropped the, the Sharks th- for just racking up five regulation wins hey, out man, of nowhere. Here come the like, Sharks! Weren't they like
0: twelve <laughs> games without a win? <laughs> yeah, it was just, like, are they going to be worse Where than their ninety-two? They're they 92? They're, uh, they're five fifteen and two. They have played the most games in the NHL. Oh, well, sorry, Columbus has. They've got 23. But they've played among the most games in the league. They're two points back of the Wild and three points back of the Oilers. And if people are talking, well, the Oilers are going to get back into this thing. Mm. Sharks maybe aren't as bad as we thought. They are bad. Well, they I are going to be they're, bad. They're, they're the pretty they're, terrible. They are probably the worst team in the league, though. Ooh, Ottawa. Ottawa's not looking that great right now. Columbus. Ooh, but I don't think like San Jose is not obviously as bad as they were anticipated to be the start of the year. I think they're figuring things out a little bit, but uh, they weren't going to win less than 11 games. The visuals from that Senators (laughs) Panthers
1: game yesterday are so good. It is fun. It's so fun. (laughs) You
0: don't You you
1: mentioned it in the question. Like the last for the last two seasons, no game (laughs) has racked up more penalty minutes than the Kachuk bowl. Mm -hmm. This is a matchup that we are going to see from now until 2030, because they're both signed forever and they're both in the Atlantic division. Yeah. Kind of wild Stimming that's only really the sixteenth matchup between the two head to head. Obviously, all in the mm-hmm. regular season, but yeah, you bring up a great point. This is already a rivalry, <laughs>
0: yeah. and like like Brady says, I wish him the best games every other game except for the ones he's playing against me. Can you imagine a seven game series in these two in the playoffs, Brady I- and Matt? I don't know if Grandma Kachuk is ready. I don't think Big Walt's ready. I don't know. If, yeah. <laughs> Do you see how mad Big Walt
1: was after Corposalo totally blew that goal, that no. play behind the net? I just a brutal giveaway winds up in the back of his net and Walt just shaking his
0: head, just
2: in Dis- disgust. <laughs> disgust.
0: Just what what are you doing out there? You yeah, might be coaching here. You're coaching the Sen soon. Oh,
1: okay. He I Kachuk don't know about that. New head coach of the Senners. <laughs> Come down from the stands and hang up. Behind the bench, I don't. I, <laughs> you know, like, like, like what Dante Bichette brought
0: to the the to the Blue Jays, Keith Kachuk will bring to the Senators. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: just saw a trade trade proposal for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Alec Manoa for Pete Alonso and uh some second baseman McNeil. We're getting to that point. We're trading everybody for the Blue Jays too. All How right. fun is that? The MLB offseason.
0: Sure, man. Um,
1: we do have to continue with more hockey discussion. We do. All, all hockey today. Eric Francis is going to join us. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple things to talk about from yesterday's game. Dusty Nickel will be one. <laughs> Dan Wadara will be another. Matt Coronado. Going to ask him about that. And Brent Cron going to join us for the eight o'clock hour as well. A lot of program left to go. Halfway home. Sports at 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the program. Into hour number two, hour one of the big show available wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, or Google. Just had it with Nick Kiprios down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We head right back down to talk about yesterday's victory for the Flames over the Vegas Golden Knights. Eric Francis of Sportsnet joins us now. Hello, friend. How are you?
3: I'm good, my friend. Was that a fun one last night? My God, the dome was rocking.
1: Nick Kiprios told us that was the best hockey game he's seen all season.
3: Yeah! Wow! That's uh, sure. Like it's right. The yeah. I was like, okay. Like I'm, you know, I can't compare it to games out of this city, but uh, but man, uh, yeah, it was probably the most exciting game for Flames fans, you know, this year. And uh, nice that they did it at home. It's funny because a lot of the players unsolicited commented on. How much the dome was rocking hmm. last night, and I think maybe they're commenting on because they've been away so much with most of their action this year, but also just everyone was so into it from the get go, and it was. Uh, and I, I don't know if it started with the whole e bug possibility. There was a buzz in the crowd, and people were like, "Oh my God, we might see an e bug," who knows? But it, the game itself warranted the buzz by the end of it because it was so great back and forth, and uh, and and you know, and I just think a lot of people in the city are they really started to appreciate this never say die attitude of this team because uh, it would have been, you know, it would be easy for them to roll over. They never do, and that's becoming a trademark of this team.
1: You did some good work on the e bug situation yesterday, and I want to get to that in a second. But what was the feeling in the building after Will Carrier takes that run at Vladar four minutes in?
3: Well, it, that was a surreal. Uh, I don't know, 30 seconds, you know, of course, our cameraman and our broadcast went straight to straight to dusty nickel sitting on the bench and he, he did well to kind of mask his emotions. We asked him after the game about what it felt like in that time. And he admitted that he said, uh, God, I hope he gets up. (laughs) It's it's gotta be an interesting uh, tightrope for a, for a guy like that who's having a once a lifetime opportunity it's great to be on the bench and be in any NHL, but do you actually really want to go into the game, like, or is that just a little too surreal? I don't know. It was it was a pretty scary moment, and 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 uh, and, and Vladar said after the game that Tan said to him right away, uh, "Dude, you have to get back in the game. We got an e bug on the bench." <laughs> he said that was that was all the uh, all the encouragement he needed. He was going back in no matter what.
1: Uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the situation as a whole. Like, what was your afternoon like?
3: Well, it what when I found out about the bug. When everyone
1: know? found out and things started to percolate that we were going to have a situation on our hands here, and they couldn't call up goalie. Like, what was your afternoon like? Trying to figure out what the roster was going to be for the
3: game. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was pretty interesting. I mean, we knew right from the get go because it wasn't. It literally wasn't until right by five o'clock there that Markstrom, you know, decided shortly thereafter to literally leave the building because he was so sick. And uh, we had great footage last night on our broadcast of Markstrom coming in just before 5 o'clock, Markstrom leaving just after 5 (laughs) o'clock, the the e-bug coming in shortly after that. And, you know, that's just a whole such a great story. I mean, the, the kid was napping at home. He runs a construction company. And he was napping at home after a day's work. And he wakes up to a text saying, you better get down here. You might be dressing tonight. And uh, that that call came at 530 for a 730 game. I mean, that's just an amazing two-hour window.
0: Trying to get down there with traffic? Jeez.
3: <laughs> yeah, he says he lives close to the oh, dome. Oh, good. But I don't care how close you live these days with all the traffic. Nope. Yeah, this guy, it's not an easy jaunt over to the dome. So unless he lives in one of those Areva buildings. Uh, so, I, yeah, amazing story. And yeah, for me, it was, it was, uh, you know, I know for a while there, they didn't come out with the news. I had heard what was going on and it was obviously a delicate situation. And, uh, you know, in the end, everybody handled it the right way. and, uh, and you had two goaltenders who were kind of the, the stars of the evening, uh, for the Calgary Flames last night in a strange way.
1: You went down to take the picture of Dusty during warm up and you ran into somebody that you probably didn't ru- uh, expect to run into. Hey.
3: Oh, my gosh. That was so funny. I ran down to the glass, parked myself right behind the, gla- uh, the net to get a photo of the kid to put on Twitter to say, "Here, here's your backup tonight, Calgary Flames fans. And as I was just typing out a quick tweet, there were two ladies behind me. I said, look, I'm sorry. I won't be standing here long. I just want to take a photo of this kid. And then I couldn't resist. As a journalist, I just love a good story. I said, Hey, look at this kid. He signed like, he signed an NHL contract an hour ago. It's his first NHL game ever. And the lady says, yeah, I know. I said, how did you know? And she says, because my son is the other Flames goalie. <laughs> it was Dan Vladar's mom who was visiting for the last eight days uh, from Prague. And I just thought, of all the people, I'm going to turn and just say something to you. How hilarious is it that uh, it's Vladar's mom? So, yeah, just a, a hilarious night in so many ways.
0: Uh, I know it's not a, a big issue, I think we've they've only had to use the e bug like six times in the the history of it if, if it's well, as long as it's been around. But is there a chance that the NHL is is thinking about tweaking this? That I know it's probably a competitive balance thing that the Flames would have the advantage over uh, Vegas for that example. If they needed a backup goalie, that they could just go down to the Wranglers and call Dustin Wolf up and he would be there. Is there going to be a change, you think, for this EBUG, or is it just like, it's just one of those quirks in hockey that we're just going to have to get used to?
3: I think we're just going to have to get used to, it because I know the argument would be easily made here that, well, you know, come on, guys, even if we missed the deadline, uh, we could have got Dustin Wolf here, and that's best for the NHL, yep. for legitimate goaltenders in the backup role, but that gives the flames a competitive advantage mm-hmm. over so many other teams that don't have a, an affiliate, you know, within five minutes of yeah. of, of, of the dome. So I, I don't see it changing anytime soon. Had he gone in last night and let in nine goals. Yeah. Then maybe we're having a different conversation and maybe they consider making an amendment for goaltenders. I don't know. But at the end of the day, I, I just don't think it's a pressing issue. And listen, I said this on the broadcast last night, guys. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I don't know if you've had Croner on yet or he's coming on soon and I know how he feels about it. He thinks it's it's a joke, right? You know, and there's a lot of people out there and I think a lot of former players would say it's an absolute joke that someone could go in there who's never played, you know, past junior. But I God, we're in the entertainment business, guys. And mm-hmm. that created a buzz last night that was that was absolutely electric. And I know the kid never played, but he was still the story of the night. And again, there are some that will say, "Well, that's ridiculous because it took away from this great performance from Vidar. No, I, I don't. I don't think so. Nope. Those guys shared the spotlight in a beautiful way, and I thought it was a wonderful evening. And no harm, no foul, <laughs> right? I, I just think uh, I think everybody just got to you know unbutton a little and let you know let their guard down. Let's have a little fun. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, that's all sports is really all about.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure the club loved the, the extra, extra attention on them last night as well. That's always a, a good thing. Uh, I asked yeah. I asked Nick Kiprios this uh, last segment, but do you think the Flames' power play is the one thing that's holding them back from really taking off?
3: Yeah, good question. I mean, what are they, what are they on a run now? Seven three and two, or is it six? Uh, yeah, seven three and two since their six game losing streak, and they've done it pretty much the whole time with a power play that's scored once in thirty three tries. Yeah. Like, it's hard. It's it's really quite mind boggling to think that they've been so successful of late especially most of their wins have been on the road too. And they've done it without a power play. It's wow. You're right. You add that ingredient, even if they're just an average power play, Mm -hmm. uh, then you just wonder what, you know, what, how good these team could be. And eventually they will get that power play going. I don't think there's any question that, you know, I thought, you know, Calgary takes a lot of heat because he kind of shrugs everything off. And it looks like he doesn't care quite frankly, but this guy cares a lot. and, He's the one, he's kind of the calming influence who says, guys, power plays come and go all through the season for every team in the league. And we're just in a rut right now and we'll get out of this. And it's absolutely true. Uh, And uh, he said the same thing when they were losing six games in a row. So uh, I I, I don't have an answer. Nobody has an answer. Everyone can sit here and tell you why they're not producing offensively on the power play. But, uh, and, and obviously they're not shooting enough. They seem to be focusing on that last night, but then everybody saw the result. Tons of block shots. So it's a careful balance between shooting more, but also making sure they don't get blocked.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things, right? The Penguins right now have a power play just above the yeah. Flames. The Washington Capitals have a power play just 5.7% with the greatest goal scorer of our era yeah. on their team. So, yeah, it's exactly. one of those things. It ebbs and it flows. But at 5-on-5, five five, it feels like the lines are finally set. I know Zary looks like he's dealing with something right now, but do you like how the 12 are kind of rolling over the boards right now?
3: Yeah, totally. I mean, A.J. Greer scored the, that key goal last night. Uh, that's his second in three games. The, the, the fourth line had a couple goals on the road against Dallas. Um, you know, I could go through all four lines right now and just, you know, talk about how they really are starting to show signs of chemistry. It took a long time, no question about it. That was probably the biggest issue this team had uh, the first, uh, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 games. But now, you know, it almost seems like it was a domino effect. Find a place for Jonathan Huberto and let it, all the chips fall after that. And, uh, you know, Huberto, again, is still not where he, anywhere close to where he needs to be. But he sure seems to be a little bit better alongside Backlund and Coleman. Those guys are the fixers. They always seem to fix anybody who goes on their line. And Cadre and the kids is an exciting line. That's probably been their best over the last little while. You know, and, and, and even on that top line, and I'll call it the top line even though, I'm not sure it really is, but Lindholm and Sharon Govich uh, have started to find some chemistry. Like, Sharon Govich is quite noticeable his last two, three games, mm-hmm. and that's saying a lot more than we could say about him in the first uh, 15 or 16, that's for sure.
1: I wonder, as a result, because one of the things that I think a lot of people uh, would point out is that you've got a pretty pure goal scorer down on the AHL that might be able to help out the power play, but I don't know where he fits as far as the 12 forwards that you're throwing out on the ice right now, I could maybe be convinced of a Adam Rzichka to sit down after last game, or maybe Zary gets a little bit of a break, but you can't send anybody down on waivers. Pospisil going to get claimed. Um, you, you can't send Rzichka down. He would get claimed. So I just don't see the path for Coronado to get back up to the big club unless an injury happens. Do, would you agree with that?
3: I would agree with you, especially because I could tell you like having long conversations with uh, Craig Conroy on the road, Uh, over this last road trip like they're in cap jail right now you know the Calgary Flames would love to be calling up Soloviov and all these other guys even more than they have and you're going to see a lot more guys from the farm at some point this season but it's all going to have to come uh, at a cost of injuries because they don't have the cap space and Coronado's making a little bit more than the the league minimum and that's just enough to you know continue to be a problem for this club so not only do they not have room for them personnel wise Unless there's an injury. But cap wise, uh, they're really in tight with calling up a guy who's making more than than the league minimum. So it's not to say you're not going to see Coronado sometime soon, but it is to say that it's not as simple as just saying, hey, he's earned his way back into this lineup. Because what has he got? Like seven goals, eight assists, 14 games, something like that. Yes. You seven know, goals, 14
1: wh- points, and 12, I
3: think. There you go. Like Coronado's done what they've asked of him, and he's been a good soldier, and it sounds like he's got the right attitude. And there is a, you know, I can see the argument that maybe he's a guy you want to add to one of your power play units because he's got that great shot. Um, but, you know, it's going to be a while. It's going to it's going to take an interesting scenario for him to finally get called up. And, and that's a good problem for the Flames to have. It really is. How
1: do you think the player is handling this? Because I'm sure he, he would have hoped that would have been a short stay up there. And this has got to be frustrating, feeling like you can contribute, but like you mentioned, Cap Jail is one of those things that he can't control.
3: Yeah, absolutely. They told him to just go down. Uh, they put no timeline on it. They said just go down. You know, don't forget, guys. When they sent him down, they were in the midst of that six-game losing skid, and 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 I think part of the rationale from management was, you know, I'm not sure we want this kid in this losing environment right now. You know, it's starting to get a little toxic not toxic that's that's unfair but it, it's just not a great environment for anyone to be in when you're losing all those games in a row and unsure when or if you're going to get out of that tailspin uh so that was part of it but you know they said just be just just do this now it's got to be hard for the kid and from what i understand he he did take it quite hard but he's responded in in the professional way and the way you hoped he would so uh you know he is a he's a pro uh he, you've talked to him, Maddie, you know, he's a pretty uh, cool kid. Like it doesn't seem like anything phases him. Uh, I understand that this did phase him quite a bit, but in the end, as everyone's tried to tell him, you'll be better for this in the end. Like in the long run, this will end up being a blip on your radar and long term, this is going to help you.
1: Yeah, and you can just see when you watch him down there. He has so much more time. He can do so much more with the puck, and it's about building that confidence and, and feeling better when he is ready to come back up to the big club. Um, the Flames have been one of those teams that everyone's talking about because they had a six-game losing streak, and they got UFAs, and Toronto loves their defensemen and can't wait to get their hands on Zadorov and Tanev. They've been playing, they being the Flames, been playing better lately, though. You feel like there's anything as far as movement or any discussions with some of these pending ufas over the last little bit with how the team is going
3: not at all yeah like i i think that you know they paused everything for a reason just wanted to see where this team was at up until the quarter mark or past that and they flew past the quarter mark like with with flying colors like there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about this team um you know in terms of its playoff hopes and in terms of the rebound i mean guys the 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 storyline of this this entire club right now is resiliency and you're seeing it in game. You're seeing it in season. You know, they were really behind the eight ball with this way they started. They were right there with the Edmonton Oilers near the bottom and one team's gone one way and Hey, the other, the Oilers are starting to find their way a little bit too, but Calgary flames, the rebound from Owen six to whatever it is, is, like I said, seven, three, and two, is pretty, uh, pretty significant, especially considering how hard it must have been to be in that room during that, uh, that losing skid. So, you know, this, this franchise went into the season thinking that they had a, a team that could easily challenge for the playoffs and maybe make some noise. That's what they felt like. And now I think that over the last little stretch here, it's confirmed with the organization that they still feel like they were right in their assessment, that this can be a competitive team. Um, yes ultimately i do think three of those four guys are probably going to get dealt uh but right now they're kicking the can down the road and they're not going anywhere anytime soon in my opinion
1: that being said what have you made of zadorov lately i feel like we have to ask every time we kind of get in this conversation
3: you know what i've always said about zadorov is he can be an adventure Mm. uh there there are times when i think i've heard people say he's our best defenseman this year (laughs) and i think that's a little bit of uh hyperbolic but uh but I I do see signs where the guy is incredibly effective. And even if he's not, you know, making noise offensively, he's such a big hitter and such a feared defender that that's an important ingredient on this blue line. Uh, But there are also times when he can be, like I said, an adventure defensively. And I think we saw a couple of those moments last night. I think we've seen a bunch of them on the road. Uh, He's not been as great as he was early on when he had the, uh, the guts to ask for a trade. So uh, I, I still think he's valued uh, and I still think he's contributing. He just hasn't been as good of a play. Is that why you're asking? Are you alluding to the fact that lately he's been more of a little bit more of a, of a leaky a leaky spot?
1: No, I just think that when you get a public trade request, we have to ask about your play more often than not. I just think it's one of those things. It puts a spotlight on you and just feel like it's appropriate to ask.
3: Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I, I, I think he hasn't been as good of late is kind of my answer.
1: Yeah. The roller coaster continues. That pass he yeah. made to Huberto was incredible yesterday. The giveaway at the red line that sent Eichel on a breakaway was also terrible. It's the Zadorov <laughs> experience. It never disappoints. Uh, I wanted to ask yeah. you about Ryan Huska and just what we've seen in the third period from him, because now that the lines are kind of set, the adjustments he's been making in the third period has typically been shortening the bench and letting the guys run who are going in the third period. Uh, What have you made of how he's kind of changed how his adjustments changed throughout games as this season's gone on?
3: Well, I I think he's been great, you know, especially as a rookie in the NHL. This guy, I think, has really persevered through a real tough start. And, uh, hey, shortening the bench in the third period is nothing new. Coaches have been doing it forever. They should do it. Every coach should do it. Um, But, you know, this is also a team that believes very strongly in their mantra that every man is an important part of this team. Um, you know, and they're going to win games uh, by committee. They're not winning them by on the back of any star. That's for sure. I, I think that you know the stat kind of says everything you need to know about how the coach has adjusted and how the team has persevered. You know, last year they had two third period comebacks all season long for a win. The first one came in game 76. <laughs>
1: this
3: year, this year they've got four third period comebacks for a wins. And I think seven times, seven of their wins this year, they've been ba- you know behind at some point in time. So a- incredible uh, perseverance, like I said, and and, and and I think the coach deserves some credit for that because it would be easy, especially with a rookie head coach for guys, you know, guys to have quit earlier this year and just said, this is going to be an awful season. And this thing could have got away from him like it has in Edmonton, but it hasn't. And uh, coach, is, coach certainly deserves some of the credit for that.
1: You were out on the road. Now you're back home. Uh, Did anything irk you while you were oot and a boot?
3: No, but I'll tell you one thing. Something fascinated me. Mm. Oh, do we have uh, music for this, GVP? It's that time of the week. Time to find out what's irking Eric right now on The Big Show
1: figure we may as well just play the splitter anyways.
3: I, I love it because we don't have one for what fascinated Eric. No, Maybe we don't have one. For what yet. did but Eric we find coming.
1: interesting? No, we'll, we'll get that one done up, Bo. <laughs> uh,
3: went to the Dallas Cowboys game on Thursday for the Thanksgiving day. Kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. Had a phenomenal day. Saw Dolly Parton and, and a great game and blah, blah, blah. But what stood out to me the most as we walked up to the stadium were those sandwich board signs. Mm. Uh, offering for people to park mm. in, in, in a nearby spot. I think people wince when they go to a Flames game and they go, oh, 20 bucks for parking in that guy's backyard. That's, that's outrageous. That's gouging. For a Dallas Cowboys game, the rate for parking across the street from the stadium, $150. <laughs> <laughs> I could not believe it. Everything's bigger in Texas. Now, there was a guy. Just a couple blocks down the road, who had a cut rate of 120 mm. But still, my point, everything's much, much bigger in Texas. I couldn't believe it. That really blew me away.
1: $160. bucks. i am just pulling up the Week 13 schedule. They are at home. It says you can get tickets as low as $18. So really, I think you could save money if you just walk to the stadium. It's basically stealing tickets. But
3: yeah, 150 that's a lot. Yeah. Blew my mind. What an experience that, that uh, kind of like going to Augusta. I was fortunate enough to go there many years ago <laughs> and you don't go to watch the golfers. You don't care who wins the tournament. You're there for to walk on the hollow ground. Same, same as that stadium. I just went to see the stadium. I could care less about the game. It was about the stadium and dolly and parking. That's what it was for me.
1: How many of your fantasy players did you have in the game?
3: You know what? It's so funny. You know, I'm not all that interested in our little pool. I don't know. Someone had to tell me that uh, the Dallas kicker was my kicker in the pool. Aubrey, as mm-hmm. his name, yes. I couldn't tell you his first name, but uh, Brandon in that pool. Yes, what's his name? Brandon. Oh yeah, like yeah. Good. he's yeah, good on him. I think he's think he's doing all right. Yeah, he's he's <laughs>
1: rookie. He's doing very well. He's having a fine year. Uh, thank you right. for your time, right. as always, my friend. Uh, we'll see you down at the dome sometime.
3: Oh, okay. Cheers, boys. Good chat with you. There Thanks, you go. Sir.
1: That's Eric Francis, uh, joins us, uh, typically on Tuesdays, right around this hour, right here on Sportsnet 960, brought to you by the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. Uh, Brent Cron going to be here shortly. Yes. Um, eight o'clock hour, going to be El Cron all the time. I have a lot of things that I actually want to... Ask Brent Cron about. Do you want me to share a little bit of my list here? Yes. You just make sure I've got everything in order here. We've got uh, obviously the emergency backup goalie situation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, did he ever play sick, or did he ever Ooh. have any teammates that played sick? Yeah. And uh, we got to talk about Dustin Wolf going up and down and just his recent play down in the AHL. Mm-hmm. I want to ask him what is harder to stop, a deflection. Or a blocked shot that drops at the feet of a defender. Oh, yeah. Kind of like how Greer yeah. and uh well the other deflection didn't drop at the feet of the defender, but the opening goal for William Carlson mm-hmm. that goes off Wah in front of the net yeah. and kicks right out to him way off on the right hand yeah. side. What's well, um, harder to deal with. I want to get his thoughts on Aiden Hill, because he had a very good showing yesterday. Mm-hmm. Not born in Airdrie. No, I got him his with Aaron Dell. Yeah, Aaron Dell was born in Airdrie. <laughs> Aiden Hill, Aaron Dell. <laughs> I think Rick Ball got it confused. Like, on if, the if I was drinking, if I had had 12 beers and I was slurring my words, uh, no. you can get an Arndale, <laughs> Aydendale, Aydendale. Yeah. Aiden Dale. Aiden Dale. yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're going to ask him about Tanev with another block. Uh, I want to ask him about something that I saw on social media as well. Uh, Jean-Michael Lyles tweeted out yesterday uh, because Missing Curfew tweeted out a picture of Lyles because he was the last man in the NHL to use a Z-bubble stick. Okay. So Lyles tweeted out a little context as to why he stopped using said stick. Uh, We'll share that with Brent Cron and get his reaction there. A little bit of Ladar shade thrown towards uh, the former head coach of the Calgary Flames, perhaps. (laughs) And, of course, the uh, Senators and Panthers fracas. The NHL was a cornucopia of experiences yesterday. We'll get into all of them with our Flames insider, Brent Cron, after the break right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.